Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a recovering workaholic. <laughs> I, uh, you know, so much of our lives are so busy. You know, I'm so busy. How busy am I? I'm so busy. I'm so busy. How busy are you, Joe? That I don't know whether I've lost. Uh, found a rope, or I've lost my horse, right? I guess you got to be from Arizona to get that one, right? <laughs> so, I'm 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 busier than a one-armed paper hanger, right? <laughs> I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest, right? <laughs> get that picture in your mind there. Um. Yeah, I, busyness can be a distraction, can't it? In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he'd done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. You know, um... So much of our business busyness, we need to ask ourselves, is it, what's it motivated by? Is it motivated by fear or anxiety? Right? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Is it motivated by fear? Do we think that if we stop that there won't be enough? Right? Um, Henry Ford, when he began to make up the assembly line, which was a really innovative process for manufacturing, uh, they were working people uh, seven days a week and building cars. And he revolutionized the whole um, process of manufacturing. But, you know, he also started something that uh, no other employer at that time was doing, and that is he instituted a five-day work week uh, rather than the seven days of working. He doubled their wages, and it actually increased productivity. It's almost like God knows what he's talking about, right? If we just follow what God's plan is, it works out. We don't need to fear. We don't need to have anxiety motivating us in our busyness. Um, busyness allows us to avoid deeply exploring our relationship with God. Hmm? It does, doesn't it? We... We, if we take that time that we were so busy over worrying about something that may never happen or trying to do it on our own, we find that God becomes a part of our rest. He, rest is, is important. It's still a, a six to one ratio in the Bible, right? Six days working. We need to be busy about the work of the Lord and what He has for our life. But there is that day of Sabbath. 
right, of rest. And so let's explore this covenant of Sabbath. He, I think God understood about us that we would avoid deeply exploring our relationship with Him. So He created a covenant of Sabbath uh, with His people, Israel. And it was not just a covenant um, as we think of a, a covenant, but it, it was a covenant of identification. In other words, when people in the world spoke about those Israelites, they said, those are the people that rest. Right? They rest on Sunday. They're different than everybody else. Because they have this covenant with their God that says they can trust Him. Right? They can trust their God. So it was an important, um, it was an important covenant. Did you know when it says God uh, ceased when he when he um, rested? Did 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 God did get tired? Does he get tired? No. So that word there is like cease, like cease and desist, right? And sometimes that's what we need to do: cease and desist our own efforts. Right? That, that is both physically and spiritually, right? Um, he had the law, right? And those who strove in the law to try to keep and do and be good enough. And, you know, we still can do that in our lives, can't we? But the, the work is completed. Jesus said it's finished. It is done. Right? So when we strive to be good enough for God... We're not entering into his rest. Right? Because when we when we cease from our efforts, God gives us his results. Right? So he created all this that we see, but he created it so that we would see the reflection of our creator in it. Right? And how often do we take the time to really see the reflection of, of our Creator in that which is around us? That's also important. Concerning the law and grace, we, you know, God gave the law, and the law is perfect, and Jesus said, I come to fulfill everything that's in it. But He also, grace and truth came through Christ. And in Colossians 2, 16-17, it says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food, or drink, or with regard to a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Right? In other words, God was painting a picture of, of what this rest would look like. But the, the substance of that is found in Jesus Christ. Right? The, the previous, don't get hung up on the picture. Get tuned into who it pictured, right? Jesus, right? The rest of God came when Jesus finished that work, right? For us. Uh, that substance was Christ. In uh, Exodus, 
says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart unto the Lord. Holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is in within your gates. Okay, so we have that picture, but we have the fulfillment of it in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 16, it says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. You know, when I was reading this, this is what really caught my attention, was this verse. Let us fear, lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it. Right, there is, there's a, a rest, a promise of rest that's there. You know? But the Bible is actually telling us to be concerned about this, isn't it? that we make sure that we're actually entering into that rest, that it's not just some words in Scripture to us, but that it is a real entering into ourselves. Because in the following verses, what really concerned me was, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Right? So God, if, if God says, I'm withholding this because I'm angry... It's important, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I, I thought, man, I, I need to look at this, <laughs> you know? And begin to, and I'm not saying I have a good grasp on it, because it's a matter of the heart, right? It's a, it's a, it's a very fine line that we have here. And as I've studied this, is. It's, um, I, I began to look at some of the original language. It says, Though his works were finished from the foundation of the world, where he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. And that rest is katapausis. Okay, that's the, the, the word there is katapausis, which means... A reposing and a rest. So it's a reposing rest. So it's, it's like the word I use nowadays is chillaxing. Right? You're chilling and you're relaxing. Right? Okay, I love that word. You know, it's like... Uh, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. They didn't enter into what God had for them in rest because they were disobedient to his word. And again, he points a certain day today, right? So today is the day. Saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So the, the, the reason they were disobedient is they had hard hearts. So how we can fail to enter in is having a hardened heart to really, to really being obedient to what God is saying. Um, if if, G, if uh, Joshua had given them rest, and that word there is katapau, okay, which means to cause 
to desist or cease. It's kind of the same word that, that in Genesis, that when God ceased, right? He desists in, in continuing his creation, right? So that, if, if Joshua had given them that cease and desist order, right? God would have not spoken of another day later on. So this is the rest that remains for us. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So, your works, right? What, you know, a lot of times we are um, given approval for what we do or we don't do. So we become trained in our minds to think our value is based on what we accomplish. So then we, we turn around and we do the same thing with God sometimes, don't we? Like, I'm going to accomplish something here and therefore I will please God. Right? But that's not rest. And that's not entering into His rest. Because if we look at ourselves as, as the only way we are pleasing to God is by what we do or don't do, then we are in a trap aren't we? Because now we, we won't fulfill what God has for us because we're doing it in our own strength. We're saying, I'm going to do this and God is going to be pleased with me. That's not the rest that he's talking about. What he's talking about is Christ is a completed work for everything that makes me pleasing to God. When Christ looks at me, he is, when God looks at me, he is pleased because he sees Christ. Right? There's nothing I can do or not do that will make him love me any more or less. He already loves me enough to die for me. So to enter into that rest, it says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Right? And then it talks about the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. This is where I see, this is in the context of this, understanding this rest, it's the Word of God can tell exactly where your heart is. And that's that's what's difficult for us to see what's really in our heart when we talk about entering into His rest. Are we truly trusting Christ for everything? Or do we somehow think that somehow we can gain uh, his, his grace by our work. In, um, in Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through 19, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. So, this, this brings us the story that really angered God and and told him that, you know, I'll sw- I swear my wrath, they're not going to enter into my rest. And that was when they um, had provoked the Lord by the people of Israel by not doing what he said, right? And by not believing his word, right? His word said, you're going to enter into a land filled with milk and honey, Their hearts said, 
but the land is filled with giants, we can't do it. Right? The Word of God said that you are going to have victory in this new land, and I will defeat all of your enemies before you. Their heart said, we're not big enough or strong enough to do it. So therefore it can't be done. The unbelieving heart, you see that the Word of God was there telling them, but they chose not to believe it. Right? They made a conscious choice, and then they verbalized it. Right? This is where we, this is where we today, miss entering into that rest of God. When we hear the Word of God and we say, no, I can't do that, therefore it can't be done. Right? Isn't it? And then we, and then we foolishly, just like them, voice it as well. Right? And then, as the Scripture says, God gets angry. Because you can't approach God without faith. And it's impossible to please Him without it. So, it says we should exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What is your conf- what's your original confidence? Right, you, you, you realize that you were a sinner, that there's no possible way that you were going to be saved without the, the grace and help of God. And you said, I trust you, Jesus. You surrendered, right? Isn't that what happened? But somehow, along the road, we tend to think, well, I can do this. Right? No, no. Hold that original confidence. The original confidence wasn't in yourself, was it? It was in Christ. Right? And today, if we hear His voice, if God says something to us, don't harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. For who was it who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those whose bodies, whose sin and bodies fell dead in the wilderness? Right? Because they didn't enter into his rest, did they? They died in that wilderness. So is, is this important? Yes. It is. <laughs> so you see, they were unable to enter because of unbelief. In Hebrews 3 7, uh, that's, that's Hebrews 3 7, sorry. Remember, they had been slaves for 400 years. Right? I mean, you've got to put it in context. They, they'd been slaves for 400 years. That means their grandfathers, their great grandfathers, and their father's great grandfathers were all slaves. They were born with the sound of the whip. Day and night, they were told never to rest. Right? They were beaten. They, the, the whip never stopped. They never knew freedom. Right? Never. Their fathers didn't know freedom. They didn't know freedom. All they knew was the crack of the whip. Right? Have they ever seen rest? No. They didn't even know what he was talking about. 
Right? Really. They never were free. They never knew anything but the crack. The crack of the whip. So, they were like us before Christ, weren't they? Slaves to sin. Right? I never knew freedom before Christ. Did you? No. All we knew was the crack of the whip. Right? The devil. He beats you into doing something and then he beats you to condemn you for doing it. Doesn't he? Right? Isn't that like the devil? Right? And that's, that's really a picture, isn't it? Spiritually, of what man is like. We're in, we're before Christ, we, we don't have any rest. There is no rest. Why? Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, isn't He? He's the Lord of rest. And without Him, there is no rest. There's only the crack of the whip. You're going to do what the devil says, day in and day out. And, but God says, I've come to set you free. There is a promised land for you. They, they were always, the people of Israel were always wanting to turn back. Let's go back to Egypt. At least we had our leeks and our onions. They wanted to go back to what they were accustomed to. Right? As Christians, we've got to be cautious that we don't want to go back to what we've become accustomed to. Sin. Right? And, but God has a rest for us, right? He has a rest for us. Let's make sure that we don't confess our unbelief, but we continue in our confession of our initial faith that Christ is my only hope, right? I can't do any of this. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 1 in verse 30. It says, And in the wilderness you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. Beautiful picture, isn't it? As a man carries his son, God's carrying the people of Israel. Did they have to do any effort? Right? They didn't have to walk. God was carrying them. Right? He carried them into freedom. Right? And they, they were um, like God's Son, precious. Carried them over the rough spots. Right? Brought them all the way in, and yet they still didn't believe. Because of the hardness of their hearts. They'd become so used to captivity so used to the whip that they couldn't understand real rest. Right? Joshua, the son of Nan, stands, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit this land. Right? That means that God, it was God's in the first place, and he gave it to Israel as an inheritance. Right? So, what happens, see, um, is they realized that they had sinned against the Lord. So they said, okay, 
we ourselves would go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us, right? But did he say that? No, he didn't. He said, we'll go up together and we'll defeat these people. They, they had realized their disobedience and now they said, well, we're going to make it right. We're going to go up ourselves, right? Yeah. And we're going to fix this, right? We're gonna, we're, we'll take care of it, God. We got our swords. We're ready to go. And this is the result. The Lord said to them, don't go up or fight, for I'm not in your midst. Right? Don't try to do this on your own, because you'll be doing it on your own. And that's a problem. And you're going to be defeated before your enemies. So, they didn't listen. Right? And in verse 44 it says, Then the Amorites who lived in that country came out against you and chased you as bees do and beat you down as seer, in seer as far as Hermoth. They got a beat down. Literally. That's what it says. They got a beat down. Why? Because they presumptuously thought that they could fix it. Right? Now we're going to be obedient, God. Yeah, we should have been obedient back then. But now we're going to be obedient and do it ourselves. Not entering into rest, is it? No. The rest was what God offered in the first place. I will carry you as a man carries his son. Beautiful. Which would you rather do? Strap on your sword, do it yourself, have a beat down, or have God carry you where you need to be? That's the difference. Do you see the difference? And what's happening? So, God spoke to them in so many ways and used so many pictures. Manna was one of them in 1625-31 of Exodus. Moses said, um, he talked, in speaking about manna, for those of you who don't know what manna is, it, it's literally the word means, what is it? Like, because they saw and they said, what is it? That's manna. <laughs> right? Uh, it was a it was a, a set of food that was just appeared on the ground that they would pick up and eat and it tasted like coriander and it was sweet and it gave them plenty of, of energy, right? But, but uh, Moses had told from the Lord that they were to eat it today for uh, today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days shall you gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Okay? And in keeping with the rest of the rebellion that they were doing, they went out on the Sabbath to look to gather the, the manna, right? But they didn't find any. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, He gives you bread for two days. Right? Do you, you see in the, the pattern here? You can do it God's way. It's a lot easier, isn't it? Or you can make your own way. So we, we make our own way because we have hardness of heart. We hear His Word and we think we know better than God. right? We think that somehow, but no. The world's way of doing things is better. Is it? It hasn't really worked out for them, has it? And so, on the sixth day, he gives bread for two days. 
So remain, each one of you in his place. No, no, no one go out uh, of his place on the seventh day. Don't look for busyness to keep you from the rest of God. Don't allow this busyness that crowds into our lives to keep you from intimacy with God. Right? It's not about the day. Right? This isn't necessarily a day of rest for me because I'm up here preaching to you. I will take my rest, my Sabbath, on Monday. Okay? But it's not about the day, it's about the heart, isn't it? It's a heart issue. Whether our hearts are hard, or whether our hearts are pliable and listening to the Word of God to try to do exactly what He says. Because that was important that they did exactly what He said. Even when they tried to fix it, they just made it worse. They got a beat down. By trying to fix it on their own. So, and he talks about the 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 lands when people. They, this was a, a a farming society, right? So they would sow land and reap, sow and reap. And it says on the seventh year, you let your land lie fallow, right? Don't work it on the seventh year. So that the poor of your people may eat, and leave, um, and what they leave, the beasts of the fields may eat. God even cares about animals, doesn't he? Right? So it says, likewise, you do it with your vineyard and your orchard. Right? Um, and so he has this plan of work and rest. And when we... We strive and we think, but there won't be enough if I don't do something. Right? We miss what God says. The provision is there, isn't it? He said, I'll give you enough on Saturday to make up for Sunday. Right? So, it's only our heart that keeps us from receiving and entering into this rest. Remember, it's a covenant forever. This is a forever covenant. It's not a doesn't have a time limit. And ultimately our rest with God will be when we finally are in his presence. And it's his presence that gives us rest. Well in first Kings five four it says, Now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. Hallelujah. Um, you know, uh, in um, Ecclesiastes, Solomon saw the vanity of, of all this. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. Right? And, and how, how many people are suffering uh, heart issues, you know, literally, because they're not resting. Really, they're, they're, uh, it's all motivated out of fear and anxiety. They, they can't rest because it's all my responsibility. When rather the picture is that God would carry us as a man lovingly carries his son into that promise that he has for us. 
Right? We can we can strive and churn and lose sleep, but that's that's unbelief. Amen. Amen. Isn't that unbelief? Because God has promised more for us. But when we when we strive in our heart and we can't rest, that's unbelief. And we need to repent of that. God is a a good forgiving God. But he wants us to say enough with this. Enough with this striving in our heart to where we can't even sleep properly, right? So, I love this passage in Isaiah 30, 15 through 16. It says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. Right? If you find yourself in this place of striving, of no rest, return to the Lord. Right? And in returning and in entering into His rest, you'll be saved. You won't be under the whip anymore. Right? You find yourself outside of, of this. Just return to God. Turn to God. And in returning and rest, you'll be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. Right? Jesus um, was given a lot of grief over the Sabbath. Right? His disciples were going through a field and they began to pick some corn on, a, on the Sabbath day. And they were, the Pharisees of the day were like, don't you know what your people are doing is wrong? And he quoted scripture to them and said, didn't you read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence which was not lawful for him to eat? nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. If you know what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Right? Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of this rest. He's the one who oversees it in your life. He's the one who can give it to you. If you have an unbelieving heart, ask forgiveness. Say, God, I've, I've tried to do it my own way. I'm, I'm striving. I'm not getting there. I repent. It's that easy. And God will give you His rest. He'll help you to enter in. And what, what grieved Jesus so much was the hardness of their heart. Here he'd heal a man on the Sabbath and they were, they were giving him grief about it. Right? And he, and he said, you know, be healed anyways. <laughs> Look at that, he's healed. You know? And he was angry at their unbelief and their hardness of heart. He was doing the work of God, but it, because he did it on the Sabbath day, which he is Lord of, right? They were upset. And he said, Woe to you, lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself, but you hindered those who were entering. Right? You won't, you're taking away this understanding of the rest of God, right? You're not going to enter into it, and you don't want to let anybody else enter it either, right? 
If I can't have it, no one else can. They had an evil, unbelieving heart. For Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? We, this isn't a, a law that God put on us to make us obey a specific thing. It was something He did for us that we can be blessed by it. Right? It was made f- for us. We were not made for it. So the rest that he's giving us is a gift. It's a blessing. Embrace it. Uh, Jesus in, in um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. This really, um, this really to me shows the heart of God. Come to me. Come to me. All you are heavy, heavy laden, and you're, you're laboring, right? I'll give you rest, right? Come to me. Let your worried heart that keeps you awake at night, let it find real rest, right? You'll be so much stronger to face the real issues of the day when you have the rest of God. Believe Him. Yeah, there are giants in the land. But God said, so therefore I believe. Right? Jesus yoked us. The other picture is to be yoked with Jesus. He's the ox and we're the little calf. Right? He's pulling all the weight. We get to go along. I can. Uh, my picture was this massive ox with all the strength and a yoke going to a little calf whose feet are barely touching the ground. <laughs> right? Because he's so big. Our God is so big. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Right? I'll be carrying everything. You just get to come along for the ride with me. I've done it all. The work is complete, isn't it? It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So, you say, Joe, I'm busier than a one-eyed cat watching three mice holes. Right? Right? <laughs> what what can I do, right? Well, first of all, remember remember Jericho, right? God told them that He was going to lead them into the land. He was going to defeat them by His power, didn't He? They tried their own way to get back into the land, and they suffered a beat down, right? So give up on your own way. And remember what happened at Jericho. What did they have to do? Did they have to go and storm the city walls and do all that? No, they had uh, Yuko and Alan out front with their worshiping and they were singing and praising. Right? They were, all they had to do was march singing and praising and then blowing trumpets. 
That's as tough as it got. Right? Now, which of those two pictures do you prefer? The second one. Yeah. Following our worship leaders out into, right? Into battle. We get to blow a trumpet. And everything comes down. These walls that would be impossible for us to breach. The walls of Jericho were so wide that you could, they had chariot races on the top of the wall. Yeah, that's not a little thin wall that's going to crumble. You know, it's massive. It takes God to defeat that. Right? So it says in Hebrews 11, Let us therefore, therefore, because of all of this, that I've, that I've been telling you. Let us therefore strive. And I looked up that word because that sounds really contradictory to me. Strive to enter into rest. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like, I'm like, wow, okay. Strive. In other words, the word is, is be diligent, endeavor, and study. Right? Be diligent, endeavor, and study to enter into that rest. So that's, that's what got me to do this study was I wanted to enter into that rest. And um, by the grace of God, I have. And, I, and I, it's, it's wonderful to be in God's rest. It's wonderful to close your eyes and go to sleep like that, even when there's all kinds of stuff going on. Right? And it is possible because of the grace of God. So therefore let us be diligent, endeavor, and study to enter that rest so that no one may fall by that same sort of disobedience. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word that sets us free, Lord. Like Israel, who had been captive, who had been living under the whip, for 400 years. Lord, we, we sometimes, because of living under the whip ourselves before Christ, we, don't, we become accustomed to it. And we don't really even understand your rest, Lord. I pray, Father, that your word has enlightened us today to what you really want for us, God. It's a gift. It's not a law. It's not a, it, it was made for us to enter into. It was made for us to be a blessing. God, and, and so we, we want to be diligent in applying your word to our lives, Lord. Help us, God, to embrace your rest. As, and help us, Lord, to be content to be carried as, as you carry us, Lord, so gently as a loving father would into the land of promise for us. We believe you, God. We believe you, Lord. We believe your promises, God, that we are set free. God, that we're set free from our own way. We don't, we don't even want to try to fix it because we know that in trying to fix it, we're just going to make it worse. So, Lord, we just, we just turn to you. You've said in your word that in turning we will find rest. In returning we will, to you, we'll find rest for our souls. 
So we do in Jesus' name. Amen.